We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. What a wonderful experience being with you this morning. In the background, you have an uh, outdoor sign that is just uh, outside of the airport in Lima, Peru. And uh, it was well done, and we captured it on our last trip there. So when we study in Timothy, I want to call your attention to the manner of discipleship, how he actually presents things. If you go back to chapter 1, he begins already identifying him an apostle of Christ. And then he talks about the false doctrines that are in Ephesus. And, uh, and he began to deal with that. And on verse 18, he, he speaks the words, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you. Uh, uh, this charge I commit you based on the prophecies that were spoken of your head, which, which simply is a process of ordination. In other words, you can have a ministry, but you can be ordained. And being ordained, it's a good thing. Because if somebody prophetically speaks over your head, then your ministry is set to serve the Lord. It's not that you're going to make decisions, that God's going to make the decisions. So he's continuing in order. Now in chapter 2, he, he brings an exhortation of what he thinks and he says is important, meaning prayer, doing God's will, recognizing Jesus as the mediator. These are the three things that I shared with you yesterday. And then he speaks to the women, and he talks about bishops and deacons, and I'm not going to comment on that. But we come now to chapter 3, verses 14, 15, and 16. And I, want to, I want to read this to you because it's, it's, it's really important. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of the Bible study tomorrow. Let's go to chapter 2 in terms of prayer, God's will, and Jesus as the mediator. And so the the lesson this morning is 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 3. Okay? And then we do 4 and 5 and 6. But let's begin with that. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you those that are listening to podcasting, those that are traveling now, traveling mercies, And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move in power in the lives of those who are hearing us in Jesus' name. Okay, so verses 1 to 3, he is referring to the call of God in his life. Notice that uh, verse 2, he says, For kings and all who are in authority, which is is Acts 9.15. Remember in Damascus, 9.15 means you will serve me. Uh, this way, uh, let me go to 9.15 because uh, it, it, it tells about the call of, of Paul. Amen? And it's, it's chapter 9, verse, verse, uh, verse 15. It says, But the Lord said unto him, Go your way, talking to Ananias. For he has a, for he, means Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me. So, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. And so right 
on chapter 2, verse 2, for kings, all who are in authority, meaning that the call to be serving the Lord is very specific. It's not something sort of ordinary or without direction or purpose. Very specific. And uh, I want to emphasize this. But the Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Now here's the call. To bear my name before the Gentiles. One. The kings. Two. And the children of Israel. Three. So when he talks to Timothy, he brings that, that call. That the call is specific. Now does this matter to any of you? Yes. It has to matter. If you have a call of God, then God is going to make sure that be specific. Be very specific. It's not something confusing. Specific. Okay? So now he begins chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, what do you mean by first of all? What comes next has got to be first. And he says, supplications, prayer, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. So I began to deal with that. And suddenly, when I heard the word supplication, it took me to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 16. And Matthew chapter 16 deals with Peter speaking, Jesus speaking to Peter and receiving his confession. And Jesus asks, Some say that you are John the Baptist, Elijah, others, Jeremiah, and the prophet. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, the gates shall not pray. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of God. And whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Now, what is binding here? Binding is what he's talking about on chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. Supplication. Supplicating is a form of taking authority, a prayer style to reprimand and take authority. Remember that when Paul talks to Timothy, he is saying that there's something you've got to understand, Timothy, that your call has to do with a mighty war of good warfare. Remember, I charge, this charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which were before you, that you by them mighty, by them might war a good warfare. So the call comes clearly with an understanding that that warfare is necessary. If you are on the call, you're going to have to fight. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but this is what he's saying down here. He's saying, I charge you therefore, first of all, that supplications. Supplication here is the verb binding. By taking authority. A prayer that takes authority over... Now, if you study my material... You're going to hear the word command and authority, contact and transmission. Command and authority, contact and transmission. Command and authority comes first because it is a matter of praying with the effect of taking authority. What happens when we go to the mission field and we face hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in front of us? Uh, uh, one lady told me in a church somewhere this last Sunday, uh, uh, Natalie said to, to the congregation that I had ten people 
waiting for me to pray for them. When you are there, you must take authority. You must supplicate. And then you transmit the power. That exchange changes your life and allows you to become a vessel of honor. Okay, now. Then he says prayer, supplication and prayer, which is petitions. And then intercessions, which is actually continuous prayer. Intercession is a form of repetitive, continuous prayer on and on and on for a long period of time. And then giving thanks in the prayer, which is really uh, praise and worship, worshiping the Lord. And so these are five stages of prayer. What is he saying to Timothy? Timothy, if you don't pray, you can't do nothing. Timothy, if you don't know how to have a life of prayer, you're just not able to do anything. Timothy, you've got to learn that when you have a call, you have to have a life of prayer. You know, I never connected that uh, uh, in my life. But in these days that I'm living now, I'm deeply involved into prayer. It's necessary. So the call from God demands a life of prayer. See, the call of God demands a life of prayer. You don't have a prayer, a prayer life. You're not following your call. Because it begins with prayer. Next, Paul leads Timothy to understand what is God's will when there is a call. It is on verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So salvation, what Jesus did on the cross, the priority is bring the gospel to the lost. There's nothing more important than that. It's the number one call. So you begin to notice that Paul charges Timothy with a call and the prophecy is made on him. And then he says, if you don't have a life of prayer, there's a problem because your major call is to bring the lost to Jesus. You know, in Brazil, when we go to our mission trips before the service starts and we get to the stage, because they do their praise and worship, as soon as we get there, we make an invitation for salvation, even before preaching. And hundreds of people come forward. Because if I, if I have a call of God in my life, I will, I will pray for 200 people to receive Christ. This coming, 22nd of October, we're going to be in, in Peru. And on the 28th and 29th, we're going to baptize hundreds of people on the sea, on the Atlantic side. And Bishop Ricardo Pereira and I and the pastors that I'm bringing to, to Cuba, we begin to anoint people and pray for people as they are ducked in and on the waters of the, of the Atlantic Ocean and baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy. That is priority. You don't have that, you don't have a ministry. All right? Now, and so a call is necessary, number one, for prayer to do God's will, depend on Christ as a mediator, continues, he lifts Christ. And then he says, let's take a look. You have to pray first. Now, let's take a look at uh, Romans 6, 3 to 6, just to sediment that because the guy who's teaching Peter, uh, uh, Timothy, is the guy who wrote the book of Romans. So let's see how he thinks 
this way. He says, Know you not that so many of us as were, were baptized unto death, meaning we received Christ. Therefore we are buried with Him by the baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are also should walk in newness of life. So the call to serve began with a prayer and, and follow God's will, which is salvation of the lost. It's a beautiful verse. I want to I want to read to you again. And, and so Paul is saying that one of the things that the Christian kingdom is spread throughout the world is because when you receive Christ, your life changes. That is the cream of the crop. That is the the dessert. That is the point that you cannot be forgotten or put second. I was touched by Jesus Christ, and my life changes. So if anybody questions you about Paul and about uh, God and about uh, the work of Christ and the cross, is that it affected my life. I'm a new person. Next, Paul leads him to another area, and I'm going to it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so, Christ Jesus is the mediator. Began with a life of prayer. Next, bring salvation to the lost. Third, know who Jesus is. He is the mediator. So, so teaching others how to receive the work of Jesus Christ has to be, you have to have a, 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 a discipleship that is clear without a doubt. Then Paul goes back into who he is, and he says, Whereunto I was ordained a priest and an apostle, a preacher and then an apostle. So he refers to his call to Timothy. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul believed that lifting hands is really necessary in order to pray effectively. I know you probably don't believe that that's necessary, but Paul did. Now why do I take Paul in context here? It's Because he had more fruits than anybody else. You're talking about four missionary journeys going to Spain at last. And so his life is full of fruits. And I have no problem in receiving and lifting my hands before the Lord because if Paul says that that's important, it's good enough for me. Amen? All right. Now, let's move on into, into chapter 4, uh, which begins with... Uh, is that okay? It begins with uh, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Up to now... Very little is said about Paul in the Holy Spirit. But on this verse, it becomes effective. Amen? It becomes effective. By the way, before that, Paul emphasizes the qualities of Christ. And he talks about the church being so necessary. These things I write unto you, hoping to come to you shortly. But if I tarry long that you may know you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And so speaking about the church is, is necessary in Paul because Timothy's emphasis is the church. 
See, everything I do as an evangelist is to emphasize the health of the church, the health of the pastor. So for 50 years, I've traveled all over the United States emphasizing that the church is important, that the life of the pastor is important, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and he must protect the church from wolves and those that come to destroy it. And so, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And it's very important that you understand that Paul is trying to protect the church. And then he says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now he mentions, Justify in the Spirit. And of course, vindicated, endorsed, approved, and pronounced by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit convicts. And then second, he talks about preaching to the Gentiles. Uh, been, been tra- preaching to the nations. And then third, believed in the world. And then fourth, received up into glory. It, it looks at the, the phases of the ministry of Jesus. But now, as we go to chapter 4, he begins now to specifically mention the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, you're talking about uh, a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus. And Timothy is very much listening to what Paul says. He is paying attention. He's writing notes. He is on the letter back and forth, studying with the scriptures that he had at that time. And so here is, here is what he says, emphasizing the Holy Spirit. He says this. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly. Now the Holy Spirit speaks expressly. So what do you mean by that? Paul is saying that in my time of prayer, supplicating down there, in prayer for thanksgiving, in prayer for worship, in, in prayer to, to be taken care of, he's saying to, to Timothy, now the Holy Spirit is going to say something to you that was revealed to me expressly by the Holy Spirit, a revelation. So what is, what is in this? It's a revelation. It could be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. It had to be a revelation. Now, in the study of Paul, when you want to get along with Paul, revelation comes in three ways. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Not 15 ways, not 20 ways, three. Three, only three. Now, is he saying here that the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Yes. We're living the end times. We're using the terms that means fulfillment of the end time prophecies. We're living right now. We are in the end of the church age. And so when you begin to hear Paul, we're now more in the end of the church, uh, uh, church age than never before. And, and we'll teach about that, but now I want you to concentrate what the Holy Spirit is speaks, speaks expressly, pointedly, that in the latter days some will depart from faith. Why in the latter days some will depart from faith, for the faith? Giving heed to seducing spirits. Now, and so we have to stop. Because this word came by revelation to Paul about deceiving spirits. So do we run our next? No, we don't run anything. We'll sit tight down here and we need to get hold of this. What in the world are demons that seduce you? 
seducing spirit. These are religious spirits. You see, we're caught up into the time of the life of the church when seducing spirits are actually at work within the life of the church. You know, we got to do this because we need to be open uh, to people. And, and so let's just, I don't care, uh, I don't care if you uh, come to a place to where uh, you confess your sin before God before taking communion. There's no need for repentance anymore. That's a seducing spirit. Because Jesus very clearly said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus would not really be involved with seducing spirits uh, uh, at all in his life. Matter of fact, he spent 40 days and 40 nights with seducing spirits. Now, what that happens is that people leave the church. And it says, doctrines of demons. It takes believers from the truth. The cross is not necessary. Repentance is not necessary. Uh, uh, praising the Lord is not necessary. Okay? And so they're putting these people who have unconfessed sins into positional leadership. That's a seducing spirit. And the woman who did that needs to know that, that she's going to have to answer to God for what she has, said, has done in the life of the United Methodist Church. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Doctrine of demons. Having their conscience seared. So let me, let me, uh, let's take a look at that a minute. Uh, what is, uh, what is the, this verse? So let me go into uh, this a minute. Amen. I've been teaching the, the seducing spirits. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They are not acting under delusion, but deliberately against conscience. In other words, you come up with a thought in your mind that says that somebody can be in the pulpit as a pastor, ordained pastor, without repentance of sin. And so Paul says, seducing spirits is having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Meaning, they're not acting under delusion, but deliberately against conscience. Because the conscience says, unless I ask God for forgiveness of my sins, I am not at par with the cross. And what they're saying is, don't worry about the cross. You don't need repentance. It's all taking care of the cross, and you don't have to ask forgiveness. That is a seducing spirit. Amen? Notice that Paul is fighting the good warfare. That's what he was saying to Timothy when he says, I charge you, I, this charge I committed unto you, Timothy, according to the promises, prophecies that were, went before you. He is simply saying that the charge here is to fight seducing spirits, which are religious spirits that change. And so, and so when you that you might war a good warfare is part of the call. Forbidden to marry against the home. Obtaining from certain meats, God specifically says, for it is sanctified by the Word of God. And of course, Paul, before he went into the house of Dorcas, had to be convicted of the Holy Spirit because God says, 
what I made holy do not call unclean. And that was something in the life of the church of those days. Every creature of God is good, for it is sanctified by the Word of God, verse 5. For, for Timothy chapter 4, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 5. 4, 5. God sanctified. But notice at the end of verse 5, which is really something. For it is sanctified by the Word of God. In prayer. So prayer is part of making a decision on how to have lunch. Prayer is making a decision as to how you hear this conscious of the Holy Spirit and you telling that what's been said up there is not right. And so Paul is, is deeply involved in discipleship of the mind of Timothy, speaking gently about this, clearly, okay? And without controversy, the great mystery of godliness, God was ma- manifested in the flesh, incarnation, justified in the spirit, because salvation is, is, is Paul's concept. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God to our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the presence of God, Romans 5.1. And so, you see that Paul is hitting Timothy from the left and from the right, from the left and from the right. And he says, But if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of the gospel. So there is a war, a battle, in terms of discipling someone. Because when you disciple correctly, and you take them through these steps, and make them understand that that's what the Word of God is, that, that, that man is going to be a blessing. Okay? And then he finally comes to, uh, to, the, to verse, verse 6, chapter 4. And he says this, he says this, You shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine, whereunto you have attained. That's Paul. Paul is saying, You listen to me, you're going to do good. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of life that is now is and of that which is to come. Godliness affects your life, the way you're living now, and the life that is to come, proving life after death. The struggle between you and conscience. Notice that, that seducing spirits is an attack against a life of godliness. He's saying that to him. And then he says, For therefore, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we are, we trust in the living God. Note the word we. He's saying, just as you, Timothy, struggles and suffer, so do I. Let me read it again. This is faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance. And for therefore, we both, we, we, we both labor and suffer reproach. So when you begin to disciple someone, notice the we. Speak to them about seducing spirits. Explain to this person what that is and how it's coming toward the church today. We're living in a time of seducing spirits. We live in a time where the church is being attacked by seducing spirits. And, uh, and he says, because we trust in the living God. Look, Paul and Timothy, we trust in the living God, especially on those who believe, who is the Savior of all men. Amen? These things... Command and teach. Another, another, Timothy, 
teach these things. Let no man despise your youth just because you're young. But be thou up examples of the believers in word, in conversation, in lifestyle, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then he talks about command. Till I come and give attendance to the reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, Timothy, which was given you by prophecy with the laying of hands by the presbytery. That's 4.14. That's when Paul, that's when Timothy received the call. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them that you may profiting, that your profiting appear to all. That's, that's the... Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, Timothy, for in doing this, you shall both save yourself and them who hear you. I hope that my teaching, my discipling this morning, will convict you that that seducing spirit loosed everywhere. They're all over the place. You know, I'm talking about a man called Andy Hines. And he went into a temple, a large temple of a large denomination in the West. And as he walked in just to take a picture and see the majesty of that temple, he felt the presence of evil in that place. They had to run to the door and get out of there. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I praise you, Lord, that my brother to listen to this teaching this morning inside of his car in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Carolinas, California, Arkansas, and anywhere else, God, they'll understand that demon and delivering spirits are attacking the life of the church. And I'm a member of the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Show!